Well, we're getting close to the Rosh Hashanah. And, um, you know, obviously there's a lot of interesting things happening. But I want to go, to go back uh, to what I was speaking about two weeks ago, uh, the concept of, you know, the uh, Ashkenaz and Svad, right? <clears throat> now, I had mentioned, and this is a very important idea, I had mentioned the, the concept that really there are ten sfirot, and these are forces, forces, that uh, God uses to create, to make the entire creation. And I also mentioned that each one of these forces is subdivided into ten itself. Same ten, but it's a subdivision. And then each of these are again subdivided, the ten ad infinitum. You know, it's, it's, it's a progression of, uh, of ten within ten within ten within ten and so on. But what uh, the main thing to consider is the first two levels. So there's ten from from uh, Keter, Chokhmah, Bina, and then there's of course uh, Chesed, Gvurat, Feres, Netzachod, Yisoid, Malchut. Those are ten, and with them each one has the same ten Sfirot. So therefore, if you count all of them, there is one hundred. You see. Uh, 100 Sfirot. Now, what is interesting is that um, the concept of a Metaken, you see. Now, the concept of Sfirot within Sfirot is that it gives you each Sfira and each sub-Sfira, let's say Chesed of Chesed. Okay? So Chesed is the original 10, and within that there's 10. So let's say there's chesed of chesed. What that does, it gives you a certain perception of God. You see, that's really what it is. It's like looking into a house that has 100 windows. There's 10 windows, 10 sections, okay? And each section has a further 10. And when you look in, or when you when you look into each one of those ten, right, or each one, let's say of one 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 hundred, you you're seeing a different aspect of the shechina. So, in, in, in that, that's what it means is that um, uh, to look into each window means you see a certain aspect of God, not that He's divided into a hundred. But it's like looking at an individual from different uh, perspectives, you know, and, and you just see different views. But it's the same individual, you see. So the same thing, when you, when you are, uh, see a sfirah, let's say, of chesed of chesed, then you, there's a certain giloy, revelation of God within those, uh, within that, that sfirah of chesed of chesed, you see. So, in a certain sense, right, you have 100 total, right? Now, what's interesting is that each one, therefore, presents a certain view of the Shekhinah, and based on that view, that is how you serve God, you see, based on that view. So, therefore, your culture, so to speak, is really emanates from your view of the aspect of God as seen from the perspective of that sfira. you see. Uh, now, the first three sfirot, which is Keter, Chochman, Bina, they are what's called the roots, those called the Gimel Rishonot, the first three. And what they do is from them emanates the lower seven. You see, and from the lower seven, what we're talking about, you see, is the seven Svirot from Chesed to Malchut, they create Olam Hazer. They create the entire universe, the physical universe, you see, and that's what they do. The upper three, however, 
they are the Ishrashim, they are the roots of the lower seven. And the primary phase of those upper Svirot, the first three, they create Ulam Habo. They are the entryway to Ulam Habo, you see. And that is why, you know, there is the, the Keta Chochma Bina, uh, Bina, then Chochma, and then Keta. That is the entryway for the Gilui of the Shechina in terms of Ulam Habo. Whereas from Chesed to Malchut, that is the concept of Ulam Hazer. And that's why there are seven days of the week, right? Each day is connected one Svirah, you see. And if we have seven Svirot, within them is ten. So the number is 70 Svirot for Ulam Hazer, and there are 30, so to speak, for Ulam Habbo. So that's basically what you begin to see, you see. Now, somebody who is a metakain, somebody who can rectify creation, you see, in a certain sense, is connected to one of them. Every person has this in the Shema that is connected to some area of the, of the, of the uh, uh, 70 Sfirot. That is the lowest seven plus their 10, right, which is 70. So every person in some way is Shodesh Nishama, his soul is rooted in one of the 70. And based on that, that is the way he perceives God. And therefore, his, the products of his imagination or his mind, the way he worships God, is a result of the way he's connected to whichever Svira, which one of the 70 is connected to, you see. Now, Adam Rishon, who was the first Metakein, he was connected to all 70, you see, which is interesting. So he was the only one who was connected to the totality of all the perspectives of the Shekhinah, which basically totaled 70, because that is Ilm Hazeh. And he was connected to all of them, you see. It's really very interesting. And like I say, he was the only Nishama that had that. So in a certain sense, he had everything, you know. And therefore, his avodah, his worship of God, his doing the mitzvah of not eating from the tree, would have brought a tikkun to all 70, 70 sections or 70 svirot, you see. But when he sinned, what happened? So those 70 were now given to the what's called the 70 nations the Ayin Umot and that's really what this concept of 70 nations is is that since there are 70 Svirot that create Oilam Habo and they are also the view to the Shekhinah each one has its own view and therefore it has its own way of seeing God in a certain sense, and its own way of worshipping God, you see. So therefore, those Ayin Shroshim, which used to belong to other Adam Rishon, now became distributed to 70 individuals, you see. In fact, if you count the individuals in Breshit, and especially Noach, right, uh, you know, you will see that there are 70 people counted each one of them was a shorish to a particular sphira, one of the 70, you see? And therefore, altogether, mankind as one, altogether, if they would do the will of God, they would have brought a tikkun, they would have brought down the ore of all 70. And that's really what we have to do, you see? We have to bring down the ore of all 70, which has been tremendously diminished. In other words, what God did is the Sfirot initially created Oilam Habo, those are the first three or the first 30. And then the other ones, the 70, they created Oilam Hazer. That's what they did, you see. And what, what those 70 did is as they began to create, they diminished in output. 
And as a result of that, the creation became more and more gross, whatever that means. So therefore, first the world created the Olam Haba, and then Olam Hazeh, and Olam Hazeh itself has four different levels of reality. And those are the four worlds of the Kabbalah, Atzilut, Priya, Yitzira, and Asiyah, you see. And the way they do it is that they diminish their output. And until at the end, the output of these Svirot are so diminished, you see, that we are looking at a physical universe. And that's what they did. Now, the job of a metakain, somebody who can rectify creation, which means to repair or to restore it to its original uh, output, he is a metakain, you see. And the way he does it, of course, is by doing the mitzvot. So as a result of that, he's able to metakain the output, and therefore they grow in power. It's like a, a thousand watt bulb that has been turned down to a hundred. And then you could turn it up again. So they have been turned down to make a physical universe. But what can happen is you can diminish, you can increase their output, and all of a sudden, all the worlds of Ulam Hazir now change back into a higher world. You see. So what happens is, is that from the year 6,000 to the year 7,000, you see, is, as I, as I said, is changes Asiya, which is the first uh, 6,000 years. So from 6 to 7 becomes Yitzira. From 7,000 to 8,000 comes Briya. From 8,000 to 9,000, these are years, 8,000 to 9,000, the output of the Sfirot are increased, and that is, that is Atsilut. And then from 9,001 and onward, forever, is Oilam Habo, you see. So that's what happens. So ultimately, the task of a Metakein, ultimately, is to reverse the diminishment of the output of the Sfirot, to sort of like turn them on again, but to increase enormously the output. And as a result of that, you change reality from the lowest to the highest. And once you reach the highest, which is, uh, uh, which is called Odom Kadmon, or Primordial Man, which is the world of Ulam Habo, then that output is, of course, eternal. It never, it never diminishes again, and uh, that output uh, actually, actually continues to grow in that sense, you see. But in any case, now we don't know what the reality uh, is. What does it look like a world that has an output of Ulam Habo? We don't know what that is. That is an existence which is completely incomprehensible to us now. So that's really, in a certain sense, what a metakain does. He dolls up, so to speak, the or the output of enormous spiritual energy that comes from a svira, and that changes reality. And that's the concept of tikkun, to repair or to rectify or to restore the original output of Olam Habo, you see. So, Adam Elishon, initially speaking, he was able to do that by himself. But when he sinned, then the 70 Shrashim, which are the 70 Sfirot, which are the 10 of each of the lower seven, which creates the realities, that was now given to different people, you see. So you would have a person that was a Rosh, who was the head. He would be connected to that Svira, his Nishama. And he would then give birth to people who are sparks of him, you see. And they would all have a, it's like, it's like a tree that is connected to the ground. <clears throat> and the roots of the tree are inserted in the ground. But you have a trunk of a tree, which is one trunk. And that is connected to the root, you see. So the ground, so to speak, is God. The roots of the tree is the Shekhinah, so to speak, or it is the, one of the Sfirot, you see. The trunk is the person connected to that, those roots 
which are inserted in the ground. And all the branches, you see I'm using a tree as a beautiful example, it's called a metaphor, of the relationship between the shamot. And all the brown branches and then branches itself have smaller branches coming out and so on. You know, that's why you can have a thousand different branches coming out of one tree. But ultimately, they all come out of main branches, which ultimately all comes out of a trunk, which, of course, is all embedded in the ground based on the roots. And that is the concept, you see. So there are ayin, 70 shashim, and there are 70 nations or 70 individuals that become the root of those 70 shirot, and they, their kids are all now connected to them, you see. So the totality of all, everybody, um, now becomes the totality of the tikkun. You see how it works. And that's really the metaken. But like I said, the problem was that Adam lost his ability to connect to all, all 70, you see. And therefore that was given over to a different individuals, 70 individuals. And therefore, those are the, that's the concept of the 70 nations. Because really you have 70 svirot and sub-svirot. And there is always a person that's the root, and then all his descendants are nothing more than the, what's called the mitzotzot, the sparks, you see. And that's what happened in the time of Noah. In the time of Noah, you had the people that were all connected ultimately to the Svirot. But you had Ayin Umus, you see, which are, which are a, 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 a 70 individuals which are connected to the whole network of Svirot. But what happened, which is interesting, what happened was, is that these, the nations sinned. And we know that because, first of all, you had the Mabul, you had all the Ayin Umus sinned, right? And therefore God destroyed because all the 70 aspects of Sfirot were all contaminated with Zoyama, with the pollution of the Satan. So God got rid of them. Then you had the next 10, 10 generations, you see, which were again supposed to metakein the 10 Sfirot and their sub-Sfirot. They also sinned. So what God did is he took the 70 nations, you see, and he disconnected them from the roots that were embedded in the Shekhinah. So now you had, which is interesting, you still had the 70 ayin. In other words, you still had the concept of 70 nations, and, and now there were nations. But they were no longer connected to the ground. It's almost like you sawed off the tree. So you still had a tree, though you still had a, uh, a trunk with its branches and so on, but it was no longer connected to the ground. So therefore, it could no longer either receive influence from the ground, which is the Sfirot, or it could no longer re- rectify or repair the, 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 what's called the occlusion, the hester of that root, you see? Which is interesting. So you had the concept of ayin umus, and they still maintain the connection to this. Uh, I, I mean, you, you had the concept, of, and they still maintain their concept of seventy, but they no longer could do the tikkun because they were no longer connected to the sfirot in a way that they could bring a tikkun to that. Why did God do that? Because again, dor haflaga the generation that was dispersed because, again, they sinned. They wanted a war with God, which we know. And they all created this incredible tower, the Tower of Babel, Migdal Babel. And they all decided to go to war. So therefore, what God did is he, he may, allowed them to maintain the concept of 70, but they no longer could bring a tikkun to the, the Shurish itself. They were disconnected. But the question then is, wait a minute. Do you have to? That the whole purpose of the Briah is to bring the Tikkun to the 70, the 70 aspects of the Svirot, which was originally the task of the 70 individuals, or, which became 70 nations, you see. 
So then how would it be rectified? You see, and therefore what God did is he gave the entire 70 shrashim that is connected to the Sfirot, he gave it to who? To Avraham Avinu. You see? So what happened is incredible. Avraham Avinu became connected. He got all the shrashim in him, and he was connected to all the 70 Sfirot by himself. You see? So therefore, his, all his people, the Jewish people, are now 70. We have the 70 shashim, you see, that are connected to the 70 svedot. In fact, what is a very interesting allusion or remez is where Avraham Avinu says, Anoichi ofo ve'efer. I am ofo, which is dirt, dust, ve'efer and ashes. If you remember, it says that. Uh, when he's speaking, uh, Avraham Avinu says that. Now, it's interesting, the word ofor is ayin peresh, and the word afer is alf peresh, you see. So, we know also that the 70 oxen that were sacrificed on Sukkot, they are in some way to rectify the, the 70 sfirot, the 70 oxen, the 70 porim. That's how many there are, by the way. They start off with 13, 12, 11, 10, 9, 8, 7. If you add them all up, that's 70. So the 70 parim, the 70 oxen that were sacrificed on Sukkot, right, they represent the 70 svirot. So Avraham Avinu said the following, I am Ofo, I am Par, the Eifer, and I am uh, Aleph Par. That means originally I was only one of the 70. So therefore, I was Aleph, one par. I was only one cow, which means I represented only one of this one seventieth of the totality of the seventy. But now, after God made a covenant and agreement with me, and that was the Brit Bain Habitarium, that was the Brisbane Absalom, and that was a tremendous event where God took away the ability of the seventy uh, people and their descendants, the seventy nations. He disconnected them from the Sfirot, and he connected, he made the, uh, he made the, uh, the, uh, the connections, the Shrashim of Avraham, he, made, he took it from where one, which is Aleph, Efer, and he gave him Ayin, 70. You see, so Avraham Avinu says, I used to be Aleph Par, which is Efer, right? I used to have only one connection, because I was one of the 70. But now I am ayin para afar. You see, I, am, I myself am the 70. You see, so it comes out that Avraham Avinu, the first Jew, he becomes the metakein. And he now, in order to do that, he must now have in him 70 connections to the 70 sfirot. You see how it works. And, and that's what Avraham, and that's why God said to him, now we understand the brachot, where God says to Avraham, you know, and in you will be blessed all the nations of the earth. Why? Because the blessings come to who? Only if the svirot have a tikkun. In other words, if the svirot now increase their, their uh, illumination, that brings tremendous bracha to the world, you see. But if they don't do that, you see, then of course you have not bracha, you have of course the reverse of that. So God now gave the ability, God God now gave the ability of the, uh, the, uh, of Avraham Avinu to Mutakein the Ayin Umas, you see, the Ayin Shrashim. Therefore, we Jews have this Ayin. The Goyim have it, but they're disconnected. That is their problem, which is interesting, you see, that they still have it, and that's why they're called Ayin Umas. There are 70 nations. That's what they're referred always as, because they never lost the facet of being connected, you see, to the Shrashim. 
But what they did lose is their connection to the Svidot, which was given to Avraham Avinu, and therefore, because you are connected to all the Svidot, all 70, that's Oilam Hazer, therefore you can metakain all the 70. And if you can metakain all the 70, then the world will be blessed through you. You see? And that is why, when God says to Avraham Avinu, and in you will be blessed all the nations of the world because you now have the 70 as opposed to one, right? And not even that, but your 70 is connected to the Svirot. So every Jew, you see, has one of the 70 and he is connected to the Svirot through his Shurish. You see the way it works. That's a very important idea, you see. <clears throat> And that is what's called the spiritual base, basis of the Jewish people. Now, once you understand that, you understand many things. Why is the number 70 so prevalent, you see, in, in Hashkafah? Well, we now understand what the 70 are. There are seven Svirot, we're there 10, which is 70, you see. And we are all connected in some way, each one of us in his own way, is connected to a particular aspect of the Svirot. And each Jew is connected to that aspect. And only you can metakin that aspect, you see. Because your nishama is connected to that place. If you don't do the job, then you have to come back. Because nobody else can fill that spot. Only you. So therefore you come back as a Gilgul, which is reincarnate. You see, because you are connected to that area, you're the only one that can illuminate that, that place, you see. And that is why the concept of 70 is very prevalent. Where? So we see that the concept of what? We see, we now understand that Avraham Avinu has 70. Until now, I was one par. And now I am 70 par, you see. Which means I have all 70 within. And therefore, that's why God says, anybody who curses you will be cursed. Why? Because if they curse you, you will not be able to do the tikkun. And if you don't do the tikkun, then they are cursed because they won't be receiving what you could do. And if they bless you, then they will be blessed also because then you will be able to do the tikkun, right? And, of course, they will also be blessed because they will receive the output of the svirot, you see. Now, <clears throat> from the ayin, which is the basis of all metaknim, the basis of all individuals that can bring a tikkun in some way are connected to the 70. You see. Now, when God said to Avraham Avinu, you know, that your children will go into a land, right? And they will be strangers and they will suffer there and so on, which God was saying that eventually all the Jews have to go to Egypt. Why? Uh, I think I once said, I don't remember. But because the Jews have to remove the Zoyamo of the entire Bria, you see. <clears throat> they have to remove, when God made a, a covenant with Abraham Avino, he said that, yeah, I'm going to now change the union of Ayan, the concept of the 70, you will get the concept of the 70, you see. <clears throat> but that's not enough. Because you need to remove the Zoyamo that is connected, right, to the 70, but not really. Now, here's an interesting idea. <clears throat> Remember, there are 10. First three is Ilam Habo. The, la the bottom seven is Ilam Hazer. You see. So, now, when Zoyamo, however, connects to the Svirot to block the light, and that's the concept of the Zoyamo blocking the light, the Zoyamo can only block the light of seven. It cannot block the light of the upper three. Therefore, the Zoyama, when it does block it, as a result of the sins of 2,000 years of Adam and Noah and so on, right, it can only block 49. Why? Because you have seven, but it cannot block all 10 of each individual seven. Because those first three is Oilam Habo. The Zoyama cannot reach the upper three. But it can reach, which means block the ore, of the lower seven. So therefore, the lower seven in general is seven, and this seven sphero is how many? It's 49. You see? 
That's why after Pesach, when we count, we only count 49 days. Because there's only 49 uh, parts of the Zoyamah that can connect the 49 parts of the Sfirot. It cannot connect to the first three of any of them. You see? Which is interesting. So the Tikkun is on all 70. But the removal of the Zoyamah is only on 49. You see? Because it can only block the ore of 49 Sfirot, which is seven and seven of those seven, which is 49. You see how it works? That's how it works. Okay? So we now understand. So when God said to Abraham that you need to remove the Zoyamah, you see, therefore you need to go to Egypt to remove the Zoyamah. So the, the, the pollution that they, that mankind did for 2,000 years. So they all went to Egypt and removed it through Yisurim, basically. And therefore they counted 49 days. Uh, you see, which is a seven, uh, which is the uh, seven of the seven, which is 49. And therefore they only had 49 days to remove the Zoyamah. Once they could remove the Zoyamah, then they could be privy to all the tikkun of all 70, you see. And that is why, if you think about it, how many panim are there to the Torah? There are 70. Remember it says, ayin panim the Torah? There are 70 facets to the Torah. Why? Because the Torah is the totality of the or of, of how many? Of 70 svirot, which is the lowest seven, right? And 10 of each of those seven. 70. That's what the Torah really is. The Torah is the illumination or the chokhmah or the, the, the wisdom, or the, the knowledge of, of 70 Sfirot. And therefore, since that's the Sfirot that gets the Tikkun, you see, therefore, there are Ayin Panim the Torah, you see. But what's also interesting is how many Jews went into Egypt? How many Jews went into Egypt in order to remove the Zoyamah, right, from the seven Sfirot? And the answer is 70. It says how many? Beshivin shivim nafesh and 70 souls went into Egypt. You see. And therefore, why? Because since Abraham Avinu took over the 70 roots of all the nations, then the people who go to Egypt to do the task of removing the Zoyamah is also 70. You see. That's why 70 souls went into Egypt. You see? You see how it makes perfect sense? Because you needed 70 individuals and each one would have one shurish that used to belong to the goyim, you see? And they would have one shurish, you see? And that is also why you have Ayin Sanhedrin. Because you needed 70 members of the Sanhedrin, each one had a certain view, so to speak, of the perspective of Torah that he would give to the entire Sanhedrin. So therefore, the Sanhedrin also has 70, you see? And of course, since you have 70 nations, that's why you have 70 languages. Ayinishonot, you see? You see, so we begin to understand now what the origin of all these 70s are. The 70 nations, which are those nations, people, and their descendants that were disconnected from the Srirah, you see. And not only that, you had the 70 nations, you had the 70 Shrashim, the 70 Srirot, right? You had the 70 Shrashim of Avraham Avinu, you had the 70 Nefashot that went into Egypt, you see. That's why you have 70 aspects of Torah. That's why you have 70 Sanhedrin. You see how they all line up? And therefore, you now basically have two fundamental kinds of people. You have a person that is a Matakim and he is somehow connected to somewhere in the Svirot of the 70 Svirot. You see? Then you have mankind that is not connected at all. However, what he does have is that he's, he's still in a certain sense he's connected to the Svirot but not able to Matakim them. So he still has the perspective of the, the Svira, even though he has no influence whatsoever on what he does. When you think about that, that's fascinating. You see? 
Now, I'm going to tell you a little story, and I realized something in that little story. Many years ago, uh, I had given a, a sort of like a Shabbaton in Deal, New Jersey. Okay? Uh, so I was sitting in the shul in Deal. I was sitting, whatever. And there was a chazan. I forgot his name, but he had a beautiful voice. It was a, a svar. He was, he was praying svadit, which is very interesting. And I was sitting there, and he was singing, you know, his, uh, as a chazan. Uh, it was really very beautiful the way he was saying it. And I said to myself, boy, what this guy is doing is absolutely incredible. I feel, I feel like I'm a, I am now in Arabia. I felt like I was in the Kasbah in Morocco. You know, because, you know, the way the, uh, the Arabs sing and so on, they have their unique way of approaching music. So I, I said to myself, why is a fundamental aspect of Judaism, why does it resemble Arabs? You understand what I asked? That was my question. Why does it resemble, why does the Abu Dhaf Tfilah, or in, in, in general, why is there a whole group of people called the Sfaradim, whether it be Syrian or Moroccan or Egyptian or whatever, right? Why is it that most of their culture is Arabic or is, 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 uh, it feels like it's the Middle East, right? And then you have the other kind, which is the Ashkenazim. Their culture is Ashkenaz, is Europe, Germany. You see, what divides these two? And then, sitting there, I realized, because what happened is, the one who represents, the one who represents the 35 aspects of the Svidot, and not connected to them, is Yishmael. Yishmael is the fundamental root of all 35 nations that are connected to 35 Svidot. You see, Esav, or Edom, he is the fundamental individual that his neshama is the root of all 35 other sfirot. You see? So I realized at that point in time that what the Jews have to do, and this is why they are sfarad in Ashkenazim, the Jews, uh, that part of the Jewish people have to go through the Arab lands, the Middle East, or what's called the Orient, and they have to be absorbed into the culture of those goyim that used to be connected to 35 Sfirot, but now disconnected. And the, these Jews have to take the perspective of what these people have and do the avodah. You see? In other words, their avodah, their avodah has to be uh, the, the, with the same perspective as, as the Arabs or the Middle East. You see, which is very, very interesting. You see. And so that is the concept of Sfad. That the Sfadic, the segment of the Jewish population, which is called Sfad, you see, they have to be connected. They have to be in the Arab lands. And in the Arab lands, they will take the culture of the Arab people and their culture comes from their ability to perceive 35 Svirot. And that's the origin of their culture, really, you see. That determines their music, determines their cuisine. There's so many things that come out of that. And the Jews have to be absorbed into that place and take their perspective and use it to serve God. That is why Syrians or Moroccans or Egyptians or Lebanese, whatever, Iraqis and so on. Therefore, what they do is they, they uh, worship God. Their way of worshiping God is their way of worshiping God is exactly what that is. Is using the 35 Svirot of Yishmael. You see? Because even though Yishmael is not connected anymore, you see, uh, to the Svirot, to the, uh, 35 of them, but their culture represents, you see, their culture represents um, the, a unique perspective on God. And the Jews have to use that culture, worshiping God, 
you see? And therefore, they bring a tikkun to 35 svidot. So it's interesting that even though the goyim are not connected at all to the svidot, but their culture, the whole Arabian culture, Middle Eastern culture, does come from a view of the 35 svidot. So the Jews have to go into that culture, you see, use their culture, which the Svadim do, and they are metakin the Svirot 35 of Ishmael. The Ashkenazim, they do the others. They, they have to be absorbed in the land of Esau, Edom. That's Germany, that's the whole Europe, you see. And, uh, and, and they have to be absorbed in that country, and they use the, the Avodah of the perspective of Edom or Esau, you see, and therefore their way of serving God has different menagim. I mean, the mitzvot are the same, but the 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 uh, the uh, meta dimension of those uh, uh, cultures and so on. Both are segments of the Jewish people. Part of them go into the segment of Ishmael, and we take away what Ishmael should have done originally which is the tikkun of 35 Svirot. And the other segment is Ashkenaz. We take away the culture, we worship using the culture of what could have been, which Esav could have done. You see the way it works. And that is the origin of Svadim and Ashkenazim. Now, in the end of time, it will not, once the Jews will have done the tikkun, you won't have the concept anymore of Ashkenaz and Svad, you see. Because it won't be necessary. The Jews will have done the tikkun of all the Svirot. And that is one of the reasons why Ashkenaz and Svadim are being blurred, the difference. Because you have what's called, I hate to use the word intermarriage, but that's what's happening, is Svadim and Ashkenazim are marrying each other. And the distinction where one is involved in the Avodah of Yishmael and the other is involved in the Avodah of Edom or Esau, that distinction is ending slowly, you see. And the end of time, right, then there will be no distinction, basically, because it's all about the Avodah of the Tikkun to all 70 of the Sfirot. Now you understand why there's Ashkenaz and there's also Sfad. You see, <clears throat> because each one has to be absorbed in those two specific cultures, the Middle East, Arabs, and so on, Ishmael, and the other one is Edom, Esau. The Jews have to be absorbed in that. And from both of these cultures, which is their way of, of interacting with the 35 Sfirot for Ishmael, 35 Sfirot for Esau, we take that way of looking and thinking and so on, and we use that for mitzvot. You see? You see how it works. And that is really, in many ways, the origin of Sfad. Because that, that before that, there was no Ashkenaz, really. Before the Jews left Babylon, what happened is they left Babylon, and they crossed into North Africa. And then from North Africa, right, when, they, when you had persecutions, they crossed over the Mediterranean into Spain. And from Spain, after the, uh, the uh, expulsion, they went into Germany, they went into Poland, they went into Russia. That's the migration of the Jewish people. But the Jews had to migrate. So they originally started in Yishmur's area, you see. And ultimately, they wound up later on in the area of Ashkenaz or Germany, you see. Uh, but that's only in order to remove, ultimately, or to metachain, Ultimately, 35 Sfirot of Ishmael, 35 Sfirot of Esav, because they are the major heads of all the Ayan Umas, you see? So 70 Umas, 35 is for Ishmael, 35 is for Esav, and therefore there are two different distinct segments of Jews with their own customs, their Minhajim, their Tfilot, and so on. But like I said, ultimately, there won't be a need anymore because all... 70 Svirot will have a Tikkun. And that is the origin. Any questions? Yes, I have a question. 
So, um, I hope that's Abraham, understood. Abraham had the 70. How yes. did it split up between Esav and Ishmael? How did what? How did it split up between Esav and Ishmael? Like, where's the jump from Abraham to Esav and Ishmael? Well, you have to remember, you know, Ishmael was the son of Abraham, right? Yeah, that I know, but then what happened? How did Esav get into the picture? Now, well, when Yishmael, he obviously, he wanted to kill Yitzchak, if you remember the, the whole story there. And Sarah, she drove away Hagar. So therefore, because he was the son of Abraham, he became the head of the 35 Shrashim that were disconnected. And then when Yitzchak had Yaakov and Esav, and he disappeared, he obviously, you know, he strayed from Judaism. He became completely, you know, uh, away from Judaism. Then he took over the 35 of, uh, of uh, the, uh, the other 35, which is the uh, Ashkenaz, you see. Both of them are children. Both of them were originally Jewish. Ishmael, right, and uh, Esav. They were originally both Jewish people. So when they disconnected themselves from Judaism, then they took over the Shrashim, you see, of the Umus of the 70 nations. You see? Mm-hmm. So now, I'm just trying to connect it to what I learned. So now, when, I, when we learned in Ma'amara Geula, we learned yes. that um, when B'nai Israel said, Naaseh Venishma, Naaseh yes. was Esav, and we got one crown from him, and Nishma was Ishmael, and we got the crown from them. So yes. those, each crown, the 35 sefirot that we were getting back from them, was that the tikkun at that time? Was that like one moment? Uh, That's right, yeah. That was elevated because when you receive the Torah, which I had mentioned uh, was two, three weeks ago, the whole concept of Torah changing. So the highest level of tikkun, obviously, was Kabbalah Torah. Right. Yeah, exactly. You see how it all, you see how it all fits? Yes, yeah, so that's because right. that's when they were able to remove the Zohama. That's right. And in Egypt, they were able to remove the Zohama. Exactly. Right, so 49, and then they said, Naseh and Shema, when they got the 35 each back, and yes. then they, were, they did the Tikkun, and they were ready. That's right. Exactly. Wow. Rabbi, that's right. I have... The what? Um, I have a question in regards... You say when Mashiach comes, it's not going to be a difference between Ashkenaz and Sephardic. But what will, which way will it be? Will it be the like the Sephardic way or the Ashkenaz way? How will it work? Like who's oh, that's, have... a, that's a very good question. You know, which way will it be? That's a very good question. Um, I don't know. It's not clear. You know, because each, like I say, each one represents thirty-five shirot. You know, so once they will merge, um, it's not clear which one will become predominant. Maybe half and half. You know what I'm saying? Because there are certain things that Sfardim do, which are very yeah, important. So I know. That's and the same thing with Ashkenaz. You know? But be in the time of the Mashiach, there will be that merger. Uh-huh. You know? It's going to be Sephardic because all the... Great people, Avram Yitzhak, Yaakov, even Ishmael and Esav, all from Sephardic lands. Nobody was from Europe land. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, the, the, remember, the Jews were all Sephardim in that sense. There was no Ashkenaz. So, I don't know, you would, uh, look, the concept of Sephardim, Sephardim means Spain, right. right? Before Spain, there was no such thing as Ashkenaz. Basically, all the Jews lived in either Babylon, right, Bovel, which is Babylon, Iraq, or they lived in Eretz Israel, or they lived in Egypt, in Alexandria. There was no Ashkenaz. Nobody really lived at all in Europe. It's only slowly as they went from Bovel to, to in Eretz Israel, then they, they migrated over Africa, North Africa, and then from North Africa they migrated into Spain as a result of all the persecutions, you see. And then from Spain, when they were kicked out, 
that's when the real, uh, you know, uh, what he called, actually they migrated earlier because you had, they migrated to Germany, into France, England. Those are all the Bali Tesos. That's the whole Tesos on the Shas, on the Gemara. They were basically all Ashkenaz. You know, Tesos, Rashi, you know, all the Rishonim, Achroinim, you know, and that's what began the great uh, Ashkenazi migration and so on, you know. And, and like like I say, you know, apparently before that, it wasn't necessary, you know. So maybe it could be that since the original uh, customs of the Jews were basically Middle East before Ashkenaz, maybe in a certain sense they, they will return to, uh, to uh, do the Svadim, uh, you know, which means Rabbi, you guys are going to have to teach me how to cook Svad. Don't worry. Oh, if you eat it, you're halfway there. That's it. <laughs> Rabbi, you won't have to cook. We'll cook for you. Don't worry We're about gonna that. We're going to have mom. <laughs> yeah, that's right, you know. But, um, yeah. All right, so but why would Hashem need to split it? Like, why, why would Hashem What was that? Why, do we, why would Hashem need to split the Jews? Because there are, there, there are, there's Esav and Yishmur, both of them, the heads of the Shrashim of the Umas which were disconnected from the Sfirot, even though they had the window or the window into the uh, Sfirot. You see? So you need a Tikkun, but the Tikkun has to be using the same perspective that these Umas had. Why do you think, what do you think determines culture? Culture is a, is, is a, uh, a uh, what's called an amalgam. It's, called, it's a whole uh, series of ways of doing things. You know, for instance, Mexico, right? Mexico has its language. It has its cuisine. It has the world. Why, why is that so? And the same thing, why is Mexico different, let's say, than Russia? And the answer to that is because that is, in some case, the way that they perceive the Svirot. You see? Unmute yourself. What was that? No, if someone was making a lot of noise, I didn't hear you. Yeah, you have to shut off the, uh, you see. But in the end, it all boils down to 70. And that is why, the, like I say, that's why the Jews have the 70. Like I say, that's why they needed 70 souls to come into Egypt in order to take over, to do the tikkun of all 70 Sridot. You see. Even though to remove the Zorama, you only had to remove it from 49. Like I said, because the Satan cannot seize the upper three. He can only see, see the lower seven. You see. So now you said the tikkun is almost done. Now it's, like, it's about 98%, right? That's right. Yes. Okay. So, but I still feel that we're on a very low level. Like I still feel, I don't feel that we're up to the 49th or any level close to get, like removing the Zohama. You understand? Well, I guarantee you one thing. The Jews in Egypt did not feel it either because they were at the 49th level of Tumor. So how could they feel that they removed the Zoyama? But right. in reality, they did, you see, because the Zoyama has different ways of being removed, not only of doing Mitzvot and also Tshuva, but also Yisurin. Suffering removes the ability of the Zoyama to attach itself. That's why suffering is a kapara. A kapara means that the zoyamo in some way dissolves. So I guarantee you the Jews did not think that they had done the tikkun of removing the zoyamo. But in effect, they did. And that's why the 49 days from Pesach to Shavuot, they were able to remove literally that which they, what they did is they loosened the hold of the zoyamo on the Svirot. And each day that passed, they were actually be able to remove it from the Sfirah. And ultimately, once you remove the Zoyama from the Sfirot, then the complete illumination 
you see, of the uh, of the Svirot could shine, and that was the uh, Gula. Okay. Once you remove all the Zerma from the Svirot, that is the Gula. That is the redemption. And that's what the Torah was at that point in time anyway, before the sin of the golden calf. So you Rabbi, see? So, yeah. okay. What, at what point in the process of Mashiach do we start counting those 49 days? Not yet. Because, because we are still in the end stages of Zoyamo, to remove the Zoyamo. So that's after Yosef already came, Beit HaMikdash is already there, when Israel, David comes, and then we start counting 49? Yes. That's right. So it's at the Nine end. Nine and a half years then. That's at yes. the end. Rabbi, That's I want to know what Tefidah I'm connected to. Which Shoresh? Yeah, how do we know so we can make our own Tikkun? Well, you know, you have to have somebody that can look at your Nishama and tell you how you're connected. And you, do you know how to do that? Uh, not at present, No. I mean, not at present. He's waiting. Are you working on it? We're waiting. No, he's waiting for the, the what's it called, the clipot to be cut next weekend, and then you could tell us? Okay, well, when, I, when I get it, I will be able to tell you, yes. <laughs> I want to go, I want to learn about the sifirot. Somebody told me that it's connected to the asarata de brot. Yes, each sifira is one dibur. Can we learn in depth about it? Is it interesting? Well, it's just another aspect of the Torah, another view, you know. Uh, I once told you that they're all, there are four things lined up. There's the Ten Sfirot, right, which became the Ten Ma'amarot, as it says in Pirkei Avot, the, the Asura Ma'amaros. Those ten statements were the Ten Sfirot. And the, uh, the uh, Makot in Egypt, those were the, were the physical manifestation of the Svido themselves, you see, and the reward that the Jews got for removing the Zoyama of those ten, right, is the Asara, the Asara Dibras, the Ten Commandments. Each commandment is connected a, uh, a, a Svira. They're all, all they're, you have, it's what's called the matrix of 40, 10, 10, 10, four times. And they're all parallels, you see. So that's what happened in Egypt, you see. So the Egyptians were destroyed by the Svirot themselves because once the Jews had removed the, uh, the, uh, the pollution or the Tumah, the Zoyhamo of the Svirot, right, then each Svirah was now fully illuminated and it would now destroy Egypt with the actual Svirah. See, that's what happened, <clears throat> you see. And uh, so, you know, the, the Jews themselves did that, you see. But so it happened I, at different times, yeah. If, if, if we're, we're close to doing the tikkun, yes. that means that the Svirot should be somewhat illuminated, correct? <clears throat> well, <clears throat> like I say, you know, even if it's illuminated, it gets darkest before the dawn. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. We don't feel that illumination yet. Or like we no. do, but in little sparks of it. But not because, in a... Because that's because the darkness is growing more and more, right? And ultimately, right. The, as I once mentioned in that shield with the windows and the gate, is ultimately <clears throat> it gets darker and darker. And then all of a sudden, in a split second, is an unbelievable illumination. Although the actual thing itself, they say that the, the messianic light will enter like sunlight. You know, in the beginning, what happens? If you ever get up early in the morning before dawn and you look out the window, you begin to see a very slight light in the east. And it grows and grows, but you don't see the sun. You know, about an hour or whatever later, all of a sudden you see the disk of the sun, a very small spot as it pierces the horizon. And then the sun rises, and it rises and rises, you see? It's a very slow process. That's the same idea of the gula. The gula takes time. 
we really see this, you guys mentioned this, we really see this from Egypt. Because we would think that when Moshe Rabbeinu comes to Egypt, then it's over. Yet we realize that it took a year. Moshe Rabbeinu talked with the Rabban Shalom at the Sneh on Tetzvah Nisan. That's when it happened. Yet it took one year to go out of Egypt. Could you imagine? So therefore you realize that the Gulag does not happen in, in an instant. It takes time. And I once told you why. Because there are many dinim. What's interesting is that God does not wait to begin the messianic process at the end. He doesn't want to wait for the end. You see, what he does is he starts the process before. But the problem is, if you start it before the tikkun, right, then as a result of the fact that it is started before the tikkun, right, then it can't leave, basically, because the tikkun is not complete. Yet God wants to start the process early. And that's the concept of Rahmanut, of mercy. Doesn't want to wait till the end, literally, and then start. He starts it actually when the Jews cannot get out. So in a certain sense, when it reaches a certain point of darkness, God wants to illuminate the darkness or give hope, even in the darkness, by actually starting the process, even though it has not ended. So even though it takes another year until they get out, right? But he started the Gula a year before. You see? Same idea. The Gula will start even though the Jews have not completed the process because he wants to start the Gula and the Jews are disappearing. You see? Look, you know what the equivalent is? Mem Teshari Tumah. The Jews were at the 49th level of Tumah which means that they were almost, they almost disappeared as a distinct nation. So therefore God said, I'm not going to wait or else there's nobody to redeem. I will, now, because I will now begin the process even though the messianic process is still happening and there is no redemption yet, but I need to start the process so at least the Jews can see it and have hope. Same thing now, if you think about it, right? Take a look. Most Jews are gone. Out of the 14 million Jews who are alive today, 11 million are gone. What does gone mean? They're not Shem Shabbos. There's no Taharat Mishpacha. There's nothing. Most of them don't even know they're Jewish. And most of them, many of them, are married to Goyim. You see? So that's really the equivalent of Mem Shari Tumah. The fact that most Jews are gone is basically the equivalent of that the Jews are on the 49th level of evil. So what's God going to wait? Until they're all gone? Of course not. So in a certain sense, using Egypt as the model, right, what's going to happen is that God will start the process before the redemption. And the Jews will begin to realize that there's something going on, you see. But the redemption won't happen until the tikkun itself, just like Egypt. But what we're waiting for is the actual initiation of the process because then we know it's going to happen. And that seems to be happening now. I, I gave a shear, which I'm sure you all heard, between Biden and Trump, you see. And the, 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 we are coming down to an incredible darkness where there will be an unbelievable amount of anti-Semitism if Biden wins in America, you see. So we are literally facing the darkness just like the Jews faced tremendous darkness before Moshe Rabbeinu came, we are facing a possibility of unbelievable darkness, you see. But what's going to happen is there will be a gula, the process will begin, even though the redemption doesn't happen yet, because it is a process, takes time. You see? Rabbi, I have a question for you. Yeah? as we as we get more as I get more religious and more like when I say religious, of course more, uh, more things I'm taking up upon myself, but also more like <clears throat> intention when I'm doing mitzvah. So like when I'm doing a mitzvah, there's so much more thought process behind it, and then more connection with Hashem, and it just feels more 
spiritually yes. awakening through that mitzvah. But That's I find right. that as I spiritually grow in that sense, the yeah. Satan like always tries to put like a worst case scenario of something to happen in my head. Not in the outside world, because that doesn't affect me, but more with like within my kids or myself or something like that to try to like get me off my track. Correct. Just, uh, right when I'm like in that high, something uh, like the Satan tries to put something into it. So That's how right. do you, what do you recommend doing? Well, I recommend following. The Satan will not give up. You see, okay. it's to try to knock you out or knock you over, you see. The trick is this. You have to recognize that it's a battle. It's a struggle, and it will not end until he's dead, or whatever that means in terms of angels and so on, you know. Therefore, your key is tshuva. No matter how much, all of a sudden, you find yourself difficult to do avodah, or whatever nisayon you have, you need to remember you can do tshuva. You can repent right then and there and restart. The trick is, by the way, not that you can't, not not, not to fall, because we all fall. The trick is to get up. Mm. No matter how many times you're knocked down. It, it says, Sheva Yipo Tzadik become. A Tzadik will fall seven times, but the come and he will arise. That's what it is. The, the trick is never give up the struggle. And it doesn't make a difference if you fall. Of course, it's preferable not to fall. But listen, that's the human condition. What God wants is the struggle, not only the victory. Because the struggle is the victory. You see? Got it. I love that. That's really what it is. As long as in, they say, as long as you are in the arena, you're okay. Well, how many times you get knocked down? Okay, you know, difficult. But it doesn't make a difference. Just get up again and just restart and go again and again. And ultimately, you will be victorious. Rabbi, you I've see? been saying Avinu Malkenu since uh, Corona started. And what was that? This Rachel. Hello? Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. What are you saying? every day after the Amidah when I pray since Corona okay. started. And every day I feel like the Satan is telling me, oh, stop saying it, stop saying it. Whenever I hear that thing in my head, I continue to say it. Do I continue saying it or should I stop saying it? <laughs> well, the, the question is why are you saying it in the first place? Because you wanted to say it. Uh, it said there were certain prayers in there that apply to give us a good year, get away the bad things. Okay, so then... Exactly. Well, he's trying, the Satan is trying to knock you off your perch. Same idea. Stop. Whenever that voice tells me something, I continue praying it. Exactly. Look, the Satan is desperate. He's at the end of the line. Hey, to find other people. What? <laughs> Why is he bothering me? Let him go to, like, somebody else. <laughs> because, Rachel, you are a special nishama. Really? Amen. <laughs> why he wants to bother you yeah he wants to bother me too I'm having that he's inner gonna, battle exactly he's going to give up he's trying like every time every time I try to do something like a really bad thing happens like my closet breaks my my teeth hurt like major thing you know okay he's trying to in some way make you dejected or no, it's trying to scare me, like, away from it. Yeah, okay. So like I say, don't, you, you need to keep in the struggle. As long as you're in it, you're fine. You see? 